to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Endometriosis affects 1 in 10 women and commonly presents as having a painful period. So how do you know if it's affecting you? Hi, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show, hosted by a medical doctor, myself, Dr. Patricia Mills, with a different spin on women's health. And today we're going to be talking about painful period, do I have endometriosis? And by the end of this show, I want you to feel more comfortable with understanding as to whether or not you might have endometriosis and why endometriosis happens and what you can do about it. So thank you for joining me. If you're joining me live from my Facebook group, Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, please feel free to put in your name and where you're joining in from. I'd love to say hi and ask your questions. So let's get started. Endometriosis is specifically what it is, is that the there's a tissue in the lining of the uterus that has these you know, very um, characteristic um, qualities. And when that tissue, which is called the uh, endometrium, starts to grow outside of the uterus, that's when we uh, diagnose endometriosis. And the problem is that with that tissue, it can grow in various different places of the body, and we're going to cover where it can grow. And it... uh, It causes pain to the person for reasons that we don't quite yet understand, although some research is starting to point in the direction as to why this may be, and we're going to be covering that later in the show. What this can present as having this lining of the uterus tissue in places other than in that lining of the uterus, it can present as painful menstruation. Um, You can have heavy bleeding with menstruation. You can have deep pain with intercourse, and you can have infertility, and there can be what's called cyclical pain with pooping and peeing, and there might even be some blood that comes out with your poop and with your pee and after intercourse. And I'll explain to you later on why that's cyclical, so that pain isn't there necessarily all the time. It comes and it goes, and it appears to be more present with your menstrual cycles. And there's a reason for that. Some people get this deep pelvic pain, and it can even present more less specifically with something like lower back pain and even fatigue. So you might ask, well, I have painful periods. What well, how do I know that this is endometriosis versus you know hormone imbalance? Well, one difference, and again, it can still be, you know, this isn't the way to tell the difference, but one thing that clues you into it is if the pain lasts for longer than 72 hours. So women can get pain with menstruation and the typical quote unquote menstrual pain is lasting less than three days and responds very quickly 
to an anti-inflammatory. So like naproxen or ibuprofen, that will quickly resolve the issue. People with endometriosis will have pain that is longer and worse and less responsive to anti-inflammatories. And then it can present with other, you know, other things like affecting the bowel, the bladder, and fertility as well. And we're getting, we'll get into how is the diagnosis of endometriosis made. So you might be asking now, why does endometriosis happen? And the very truthful answer is that we don't actually know yet why this happens. Um, there are some theories, so not yet conclusively proven. And some of the theories are, for example, about 90% of women have what's called retrograde menstruation. So normal menstruation is when the lining of the uterus um, sheds down into the cervix and out through the vagina. Retrograde menstruation is when it goes back upwards uh, into the, the fallopian tubes and out that way. And theoretically, that blood might be carrying some of the um, tissue with it from the intermetrium, and it could start growing from there. But that's a theory. It's not proven. Scientists actually don't understand why it happens. However, recent research is giving us some clues as to why some uh, women have pain with endometriosis and issues with infertility and those things, and other women have endometriosis, uh, but they have no problems with that at all. So they have no pain. Um, you know, no problems with infertility. And yet when they have a surgery for something totally unrelated and the surgeon opens them up and they see endometriosis, um, it's an incidental finding in that other for this, you know, other than that finding it by accident, no one would ever have known because they don't actually present with pain. And so there is, a, a, there actually is uh, some interesting findings in the research recently that allows us to then go in and sort of reverse engineer some treatment strategies for um, things with to do with that pain. And I'm going to be covering what that research is and how that informs some strategies you can use to manage endometriosis-related symptoms like pain. So I mentioned at the beginning that endometriosis affects 10% of women. So it is one of the most common gynecological issues that women experience. And interestingly, if you take a group of women and adolescents who have persistent pelvic pain, so pain with menstruation, pain with intercourse, about 40 to 50% of them, if you do a diagnosis, you know, if you, if you look into whether or not they have endometriosis, 40 to 50% of them will be diagnosed with endometriosis, which is a really high number, kind of surprising to me, actually. And if you take a group of women with infertility and it's, uh, you know, they can't understand why this person has infertility and they do an endometriosis workup, about 30 to 40 percent of women will be diagnosed with endometriosis. So it's a common problem, you know, in these populations that have these issues. So if you're one of these women who have been, uh, you know, having these issues, this is definitely something that you want to look into with your doctor. And one of the things you should know is that um, it's such a tricky condition to diagnose that there is, there is a significant delay in diagnosis, sometimes even up to 11 years or more. 
and from the time that the person presents with the issue all the way through to when they are diagnosed with endometriosis. And that is not good because there are treatment strategies for endometriosis that can improve pain and infertility and all those things. So the diagnosis is important in order to provide you with access to treatments. So then the question is, how do you know if you have endometriosis? How is the diagnosis made? And there have been recent updates to the diagnosis of endometriosis. So essentially, it used to be that the diagnosis of endometriosis could only be made with surgery using, uh, which nowadays they use, they use laparoscopic uh, surgery. So they basically have these um, little tools, like little cameras, and they puncture holes into the abdomen and they insert the cameras into the abdominal cavity where the uterus and the ovaries are, you know, everything is in there. And they look around and they see where the endometriosis is. So the endometriosis can spread to anywhere actually in the body. So it can spread to the ovaries. So you can, it, those are called endometriomas. It can spread to the lining of the uh, gut. So that's called peritoneal endometriosis. Uh, it can go onto the outside of the uterus. It can actually go into the bowels and it can be on the surface of the bowels and it can also penetrate deep into the bowels. That's called deep endometriosis. And in some rare cases, um, it can actually spread outside of the abdominal cavity into the lungs even, for example. And so that can present with cyclical shortness of breath or chest pain. That is much more rare, but it is possible. It can also uh, go onto the bladder and it can go around, attached to and around the ureter, which is like the straw-like structure that drains the urine from the bladder out. So some women can even develop problems with peeing um, and even le leading to things like kidney failure. So it is a really serious thing that needs to be you know, identified, diagnosed, and treated. Um, and so it used to be that you could only make the diagnosis with the laparoscopy, where you would go in with these little cameras surgically and look around inside. And what they found was that uh, the requirement of surgery and lapar laparoscopic surgery for the diagnosis was contributing to this delay in diagnosis because there are some women who weren't getting access to it depending on where they lived. Maybe their health providers weren't very savvy in terms of understanding endometriosis and what was needed to diagnose it. So now the diagnosis of endometriosis is made primarily with a very detailed history, with a very detailed physical examination. So it's the bimanual, you know, so that they, they put their, it's kind of like the pap smear, but it's a palpation where they put their hand into the, vad, the vagina and their, hand, their other hand on the belly and they're feeling around, feeling for the cervix, the uterus, feeling, um, you know, the belly and feeling the ovaries. And they're just trying to get a sense for, is there some abnormal tissue? Is there some abnormal pain with palpation? Does it localize to any specific parts of the body? Um, and the history is, is, you know, very much focused on what we talked about already, which is, do you have really bad pain with menstruation? Do you bleed heavily with menstruation? Is there pain with intercourse, especially a deep pain with intercourse? So not the superficial entrance, but the deep penetration. Is there pain with bowel movements that come and go in a cyclic fashion? Pain with peeing? Um, is there a history of infertility? 
all of these things start pointing towards the diagnosis of endometriosis and the palpation is important. And then what, what is very helpful to distinguish between endometriosis and other potential diagnoses like fibroids, for example, is an ultrasound. So it's a transvaginal ultrasound. So the ultrasound probe goes into the, the vagina and the ultrasound expert is basically looking around to see where are where are their um, abnormal tissues. And fibroids are pretty easy to detect with that. You can also do an abdominal ultrasound. And in some cases, an MRI or magnetic resonance imaging uh, will be done to take a look at, for other potential causes and to see if you can identify the endometrial tissue or not. What's interesting to know is that one of the most common uh, types of endometriosis, which is the endometriosis in the lining of the abdominal cavity, you cannot see that with ultrasound. So even if the ultrasound is normal, like there are no abnormalities seen in the tissues of the abdomen, you can still make the diagnosis of endometriosis with a history and a physical examination. Now, laparoscopy is considered to be reserved primarily for treatment. So if there is, for example, blockages uh, affecting uh, fertility, affecting bowel movements, affecting bladder function, then you go in and do the more invasive work to remove that endometrial tissue using surgery. So that is a big change in the diagnostic criteria for uh, endometriosis over the last few years. And the hope of that is that it'll be easier for doctors to provide a diagnosis for women not requiring surgery. And surgery can be reserved for those cases where it's used as a treatment strategy. And we're going to go into what are some other treatment strategies other than surgery that you can start using uh, on your own and with your doctor before you have to consider something like surgery. So what's important to know is that the natural history of endometriosis, the understanding of that has changed as well. It used to be thought to be a very progressive condition. Like once you have it, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And actually what we know now, and this was a study that was done using that laparoscopic surgery technique to really visually go in and look at those uh, tissues, and they were doing it every six to 12 months on a group of women. What they found is that around in around 30 to 45% of cases, it got worse. In around 30 to 40%, it stayed the same. And in around 20 to 30%, it got better. So that's if you're not doing anything intentional to help the endometriosis. So that provides hope that there are things that we can do to reverse it because it has the potential to be reversed. So right now, there's nothing in terms of treatment that can offer a complete cure. However, there are things that can reverse it, like decrease the amount of endometriosis that you have in terms of the amount of abnormal tissue, and also improve the pain um, that comes along with it. And there are some really cool things that are coming out in research for that. Now, what's interesting is that endometriosis uh, can improve naturally with menopause. And the reason for that is because what we have found, and when I say we, I mean the researchers in this field, is that 
it's an estrogen-driven inflammation that is causing the pain. So we don't understand why the endometrial tissue goes out of the uterus, but we're starting to understand why is it that some women have pain with that tissue and some women do not. And it has to do a lot with the, the production of estrogen inside of that endometriosis tissue. Now, what's interesting for you to know is that in the lining of the uterus, that endometrial tissue that's in the right place, that tissue cannot turn testosterone into estrogen. It cannot make its own estrogen. But the endometriosis tissue, the abnormal tissue can. So it's for reasons that we don't yet understand, it's acquired this very unusual ability to take testosterone, which we women have, yes, in small amounts, but we still have it, and convert it into estrogen. And that estrogen, that excess estrogen in that endometrial tissue is causing inflammation in that tissue. And that's what's driving the pain. So why does this happen? And I'm going to give you a little bit of too much information, but I think you can handle it because it's important when we start to talk about how can we use things like diet and supplements to reverse endometriosis, this is why. So what happens is that our body is able to convert testosterone to estrogen using an enzyme. An enzyme is a word for a protein that works like a tool. So this tool changes testosterone to estrogen and it's called aromatase. And you want aromatase to be working in places like the ovaries and the testes in men, right? You want to produce, um, in fact, that's how we women make estrogen is we convert testosterone to estrogen. So we can't just make estrogen out of nothing. We make estrogen out of testosterone using this aromatase enzyme. One of the ways that the body controls how much estrogen we make is by having certain tissues have the ability to make this estrogen. Uh, and other tissues not. So again, in the endometrial lining of the uterus, that tissue, that healthy tissue cannot make estrogen. But in the endometriosis tissue, the aromatase enzyme, for reasons that we do not understand, gets turned on and it starts to make its own estrogen out of testosterone. So it has that excess estrogen. And what's super fascinating is that this same abnormality happens in fibroid tissue and in breast cancer tissue. So, which is crazy actually, when you think about it. And what that means is that there are some common treatment strategies that we can use in all three of those conditions. And there's also some common risk factors between endometriosis, fibroids, and breast cancer that we can leverage when it comes to things like diet to try to prevent these things and hopefully reverse them as well. So when, once aromatase enzyme is turned on in these tissues, what stimulates its activity, what causes it to transform testosterone into estrogen are things like insulin, the hormone insulin, and inflammation. And this will become very important when we talk about uh, lifestyle strategies. The hormone insulin is made in response to sugar being released into the body from your foods. So if you're eating a diet high in sugar or foods that are converted quickly into sugar, 
and we're going to go over that in the next Wild Wisdom episode in great depth, then you are um, unknowingly stimulating that aromatase enzyme, which is creating more estrogen, which is creating more inflammation, which is creating more pain. And then conversely, inflammation itself triggers the aromatase enzyme to work more. So that estrogen-driven inflammation creates this horrible feedback loop that makes it worse and worse over time. But if you have other causes for inflammation going on, like let's say you're eating a very inflammatory diet full of you know fried, deep-fried foods, ultra-processed foods, junk food, excess sugar, which causes inflammation in and of itself, let's say you have a chronic infection, or you have high toxins exposure from your cosmetics, let's say, for example, or body lotions and products, all of these things will cause inflammation. And another common cause of inflammation is chronic stress. So too much stress for too long increases inflammation. And all of these things can go in to stimulate that aromatase enzyme to create more estrogen, and you're going to get more symptoms with your endometriosis, so more pain, uh, more problems with infertility and all those kinds of things. So that is very important to know because now when I talk about how to manage endometriosis, which I'm going to touch on next, you're going to start to you know connect the dots and be like, oh, that's why she's talking about this. Now, if you're watching me live and I can see I have a few viewers, hello, please feel free to put in your questions in the comments now because there's always a delay in your questions being put in and me reading them. And I want to make sure I answer any questions that you have um, because you were able to attend live and I appreciate your presence here today. So how do we manage endometriosis knowing what we know now about what's happening inside of the endometriosis tissues that is driving a lot of the symptoms? And so what we're talking about here is how can we leverage diet such as anti-aromatase, blood sugar balancing, and an anti-inflammatory diet? Can we use anti-aromatase and anti-inflammatory supplements? And then the next level would be medications, which often are targeted towards things like reducing inflammation. Um, a lot of uh, Western medicine medications involve suppressing um, the menstrual cycle, so using things like the oral contraceptive pill, because the as the menstrual cycle fluctuates, you have naturally have episodes of you know times of more estrogen and less estrogen, and so your endometriosis will flare and reduce based on your menstrual cycle. So the Western medicine treatment is to you know try to suppress your menstrual cycle. I would say that this should be reserved for a last case ditch effort, and before that, we should be doing everything we can to influence that aromatase enzyme activity to turn it down in these tissues so that we can avoid the use of menstrual suppressing uh, medications because your menstruation is your seventh vital sign. It is so important for good hormone balance. Um, there's a lot of problems coming out in the research with oral contraceptive medications, which I will be covering in the future. So if you can avoid it, amazing. If you're on it, don't worry. You can still use the diet and supplements we'll be covering on other shows and implementing them and over time seeing if you can come off of the oral contraceptive pill or use it in addition to it just to try to 
improve your whole body health and decrease the burden of the endometriosis and try to prevent it from progressing. And as I mentioned, some people do need surgery and that's necessary when there is actually the tissue is actually blocking things. So it's blocking your bowels, it's blocking your um, your urine flow through your ureters, which can cause kidney failure. In those circumstances, that is not the time to be looking at your diet or supplements or even medications. That requires a very immediate intervention because bowel and bladder blockages are serious that can really harm your health. And once you get that figured out, then you can look at the more holistic um, approaches to you know, avoid the endometriosis from returning or progressing and, and also you know, trying to address some of the root causes as to why the endometriosis, ha- endometriosis happened in the first place through those holistic strategies. So what we're going to be covering in the next Wild Wisdom Show episode is the endometriosis diet, foods you should eat, and foods you should avoid if you want to prevent and uh, reverse and improve the endometriosis that you already have. I actually have found research on this. So it's an actual evidence-based approach to eating, and it's a delicious way of eating. It's actually the way I eat normally. So it's not a, it's not like it's an impossible way of eating. It is something you can incorporate into your life. And I'm going to be talking about that in the next show. So if you have endometriosis or someone you love has it, please tune in because you will not want to miss this episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, share the love by uh, subscribing, uh, pressing the like button, sharing it with your friends and family, sharing is caring. And I look forward to seeing you at the next show. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical profession. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 